This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 405, brought to you by iFanboy listeners exactly like you. Exactly. On the floors of Tokyo, down in London town to go, go. With the record selection and the mirror's reflection, I'm a dancing with myself. When there's no one else inside, in the crowd.
Hey, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Podcast, episode 405, a great episode, a horrible road. I am Josh Flanagan, and here with me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. What's up? People used to complain that we talked about New York too much, so take that! Well, they uh, early when you used to talk about sitting in traffic. That would be like our yeah. little starting story. How was your traffic this week, Josh? Well, it's because I had to go to the shop, and it was really far away, but I didn't want to break up with the shop guy to go to the shop that was closer than mine. It all worked out, though, because we're friends on Facebook now. We are from iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of them. One of us picks the one that they thought was the best of their stack. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about it on the podcast here. We talk about other books from the week and some other stuff that's going to happen. And uh, we hope to have some fun. And we hope that that fun is then radiated out towards you. No problem. I make no guarantees. No promises. None. I like how you came in with that, reading my mind. <laughs> Before we get going, we're going to talk about what happened in the books this week. Uh, so here's your spoiler warning. You know what that means. Deal with it. Connor, you had the pick of the week. Uh, the pick of the week was Jupiter's Legacy, number three, from Image Comics, written by Mark Miller, drawn by Frank Quietly. And I've really been, I've been enjoying this series quite a bit. I think we, we might have skipped talking about the second one. I don't remember. We talked about the first one and how it felt really different than Quietly's uh, other recent work didn't feel as exploitative, didn't feel as uh, sort of um, you know shocking for shocking. You mean Miller? Mark not Miller, Quietly. Yeah. Right, that's what I meant. Sorry, I've had uh, no sleep and I'm not any problems, so my brain is not. Quite should, you're in a box. Like that, is, that's what people at home need to know. You, you're in a box right now. I'm in. I'm in the bubble boy bubble, yeah. and it's a good week for me to monologue for ten minutes because I can't think straight. Um, so Mark, it's not quite as exploitative as Miller's recent work, not quite as shocking for shocking sake. It seems to have a interesting story to tell about the nature of modern superheroes, and um, I've been loving it. Uh, of course, I love Frank Quietly; he's one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist. And this is the issue where things took a dark turn, and not dark in a you know Mark Miller way, although it was graphic in the silence. It was dark in a story way, in that it's been it's it's moving on at a, at a brisk pace. Um, the story, and the story is, you know, a, a Superman-esque character came along and sort of inspired the world. And this is him as an older man and his his son and his children and the younger, you know, uh, er, the younger group of superheroes deal with life as celebrities and drug addicts. And it's like the classic children of actors or, or musicians scenario mm-hmm. where they're all strung out and they're all followed by the paparazzi and they don't really do anything because they didn't really earn anything. And they, they, their parents are the ones that did everything um and this is the issue where the conflict between the young and the old reached uh reached ahead uh, which is a pun i didn't mean to make um and uh i just i'm really loving the dynamic of it and this was the issue where i was trying to think of an example from a movie or, or a show but i couldn't because i'm out of it but it's that point in the story where the things have turned against the good character and and, and the people who are bad are either feeling inadequate or jealous or, or they don't like what the good person represents and they decide to tear him down. And it's just, there's a sense of an inevitability in this issue. That's tragic because it's a tragic end to the main so character. It's Luke Skywalker lost his hand. No, it's even worse than that. It's, it's, it is it's, worse than that. It's pretty brutal. It's, uh, it's, it's that moment where the, you know, the, the, the main character's brother, and I don't know any of these characters names, but that doesn't, that's, that's not in the book. Um, Uncle Walter. Uncle Walter, That's, who has yeah, been jealous. Five did a song about him. He's been jealous of the main character for this whole time. That's another song you could use. Sheldon, Sheldon he doesn't get the Sheldon. he doesn't get the accolades. He doesn't get the the attention. So he's manipulating the son of the main character into turning on his father, and 
basically gets all the main superheroes to, or the young ones to attack the uh, the main character and his wife, who was also a superhero. And it's just a brutal takedown of these two characters. And it's it's more for me. I find it more sad than than, than shocking because you know these are two good characters. They do good in the world. They they genuinely want to help everyone and make the world a better place. You know what this is and like. Every, this this what? is like that episode from this past season of Game of Thrones. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes, if you know like Game Red, of Thrones, like Red Wedding. it has yeah. the same feeling. Like you just you feel that queasiness in your stomach. And it's it's interesting that you say that it's not super exploitative and and shocking for shock's sake which is true for miller maybe not for anyone else like on the miller scale yeah it's it's pretty <laughs> um it's pretty mild but for anyone hey. else i mean that i mean you, you talk about the the wife being killed she like uh, uncle walter goes into her mind and basically distracts her and it's something and it's a it's a skill we saw that he used uh, he used against yeah in the first issue against a villain here he uses it against his uh, his sister in law and he's saying basically you think that you beat all these guys that I send to your compound and you have this this false sense of security but what if I showed you what uh, is actually going on outside of your head and you get this shot of of her impaled by it's like it's like Marv in Sin City. You know, she's, got, she's yeah. got like all these like knives and things, and I'm surprised there isn't any rebar sticking out of her. But um, she got messed up, and and he just yeah. said, and he just says aneurysm, and she's done. So I guess yeah. he like in you know uh, just sparked an aneurysm, like a clot to go into her head or something. And um, it's a it's it's a it's a brutal book, and um, quietly handles it uh, quite handily. Um, I, yeah. Morrison hasn't made him, you know, draw something I as mean, crazy. Uh, quietly. It's true. And um, what's great about it is now I'm not, not really sure where the story's going. You know, like right. the, the, the board has been completely reset. The only real good character left and good is uh, relative term is, is the main character's daughter who is on the run now from, from the killers and, uh, and her drug dealer boyfriend who has some, powers of his own he's sort of like and if the so, joker had a or like lex luther had a son or something like that's who he is right right he's a, the super yeah. villain and, uh, yeah and so it's basically like you know what's going to happen i'm not sure uh, clearly all the world superheroes are after her how's she gonna how's she gonna survive um and what happens next with the you know uncle walter and the and the son you know it's 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 going to be very interesting. And I'm just really enjoying this. It's not, you know, it's not quietly standards up to his, he's putting the book out relatively monthly. Um, so it's not quite the level of deep, you know, detail. And I'm looking specifically at the last page, which, which looked like it was done really quickly. Um, but I just, I still appreciate the storytelling and the, the sparseness of it. And I really, I don't notice that. I think, I think the last page is, is drawn how it needs. To. I was actually looking at all over, all over the place and like, look at the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like everything on the like carved wooden desk is drawn. Yeah, yeah. like it's it, that's really impressive. And oh, the, God, and the little bits really of, of the dude's face. Oh, it's. I mean, there's this great stuff all through this. There's a couple of things I really liked about this issue, uh, and I think it was the strongest of all of them. Also, the printing on these are just great. These are yes. really good looking. Um, but uh, I really liked before both of the parents went down. Like they showed them in their own like you know this this guy's got his own Hollis Mason shop. Yeah, uh, where he's hanging out, like trying, you know, he's got his ponytail and beard, a ponytail and a white beard. He's like, I don't know, I can not like that guy. He's, uh, you know, he's Clark Kent in uh, Kingdom Come, you know. Yeah, uh, and then the, there's the bit where he's talking to the 
I don't want to say son-in-law, but you know what I mean? The, the, the sister's, the daughter's boyfriend guy. Right, right. And, and the thing happens and, and there's a really nice sequence that he has to take off. He just shoots up through the roof and, you know, you look and you see him, he's a spot in the sky. I thought that was really nice. Then you cut to, you know, like the mother, the mother is dressed like, uh, you know, Aunt May. She's got the actual old school, uh, uh, apron and you know housewife thing going on. It's like a Donna uh, Reed you know, look. Yeah. yeah, you know before all that horrible stuff happens to her. Um, I, I just thought that this was a really great use of of comic book storytelling in those ways. Like there there were really big obvious symbols that you're supposed to see one way before they rip that rug out from under you. Then the sequence where they're trying to escape by teleporting to all those different places. It's just incredible motion that's accomplished mostly with you know. Well, it's obviously stills, but, you know, with word balloons and, and like showing the globe and the word balloons coming from the different places around it. Um, just a real sense of, of, of motion and, and, and speed, like everything just sped up and all of the stakes were raised immediately. Uh, it's a really well done comic book. Really nice um, world building right from the first panel. If you look next to uh, Samson's autos, there's a building and it used to say we buy gold. And now it's yeah. to let close. So even the, you know, sh- you know, uh, cash for gold places are going out of business. And that that's how <laughs> that's how the economy has changed and how the world has changed. Because like right now, if, if you if you, you know, uh, are, are in a you know, certain part of your neighborhood and you're driving down the street, you're going to see signs for cash for gold places all over the place. Those things crop up like like locusts. So um, this is a very different world. And uh, and I like that a lot right from the first panel. It's just a very, it's a very sad issue. I think that's what got me. It was the most emotional that I had felt reading a book this week. Yeah. Um, it was the most connected to the story I felt. It was just the whole, as I turned the pages, I just felt dread because I really do like these characters. I mean, they're obviously playing on the tropes of Superman, but, um, you know, and, and that plays towards my affection for Superman, but it, I felt just a general sense of dread reading it. And, and it got to me as, you know, when, when the climax happens and the son kills the father, uh, it was, it was really sad. And it was a, you know, it wasn't, it was a brutal last page with this, you know, the father's got a skull left for her face, yeah. but it wasn't like, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was exploitative in that scene. I think the mother's scene was much more brutal than the father's stuff. It's, um, it's graphic, you know, but it's, blood. it's not, uh, it's not beyond the pale, I don't think, for, you know, for right. today. And especially for, for Miller. And, uh, yeah, and now I, I really want to know what happens next, and I get really excited whenever this book comes out, and and uh, I think that's pretty cool because I wasn't really feeling like that for Mark Miller books for a while. Um, and I've always liked him as a writer, for the most part. I don't I think, always like his stories, but I do like him as a writer. I don't, but I like this, so it's fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, Frank Whiteley doesn't help. Hurt. Hurt. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. He, does, he, does, he helps. So do you guys mm-hmm. remember um, way back in the 90s when uh, Evie would touch her fingers together and she would stop time in Out of, sure. this, in out of this World? Well, in, in Sex Criminals, number one, uh, Susie is her name? Sounds she, right. She uses the tip of her finger to touch a different part of her body at stop time. And uh, that's how we get Sex Criminals, the new book from Matt Fraction in Image Comics, and uh, all about a woman who can stop time when she has an orgasm. And, and that that's not a great pitch, like, for what it <laughs> is. But, like, that's that is what happens. And like the the criminals part is only sort of in the end, um, the this, very last. Page. Yeah, the very yeah. last page. This this was I thought was spectacular. Um, uh, this this one sort of took me by surprise. I didn't I didn't quite know what to expect. And going in, it's just sort of a a really touching story 
uh, about a you know a girl's sexual awakening, and then it and it's and it's very it's very touching and, and tender in that way. But then like as you as you progress, it's really kind of laugh out loud funny. Like when they go into the stalls and this girl is talking to uh, one of the one of the the dirty girls in school that has a little bit more experience than everyone else, and she's saying, "Okay, I'm going to take you on as as my." you know, uh, my apprentice here and I'm going to exp- tell you everything that I know about sex. And then she's drawing like a very crude, um, in more ways than one. Um, the, uh, what's the Indian sex book? Kama Sutra. Kama Sutra. She's drawing and like these crazy things that, that fraction came up with, um, like the Dutch microwave, which involves a brown paper bag and, um, just a lot of weird positions, very creative. And, it's I don't know. It's um I, I it it doesn't it doesn't feel like anything else that's coming out on a monthly basis. It feels more like something that you would see in a in a, a graphic memoir. Um but I love this. I, I liked it. I didn't I didn't love it. We should also mention Chip Zadarsky or however you pronounce the last name, I apologize. He he his art was really strong. He's more it was very more cartoony, which is what you wouldn't expect from a book like this. Um right. I I find it more interesting than good. Okay. And I think I'll go with that. And I think that we talked a lot about how Fraction can ride a line, and he rides it really well with Hawkeye. He rides it really well with um, with uh, Satellite Sam. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt I felt like he this was a little bit more of the straining to be funny or cool Fraction in this than, I, than I've read in those books. Okay, well you guys are um, old, but so <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hip and you know, young. No, you know what's so... interesting? What... <laughs> go ahead. What came to me. Uh, as I was reading, and another book we're going to talk about soon is that we have, at Image Comics specifically, we've hit this um, point that's sort of like what I think Alan Moore was trying to get to when he did Lost Girls. He wanted to be able to do books that were adult without, well, he actually didn't mind if they were pornographic, but I mean, for the most part, like books that were sexual in nature, but not solely. Right. Uh, so you have like this story. You have sex. You had um, you had uh, Black Kiss. You have you know like I've never seen this many books like this. I don't know. I feel like this is some sort of symbol of our time that I can't decipher yet. Right. Like, there's a thing that's happening in comics I've never seen happen before. It's definitely the kind of at a graphic, mainstream level. The graphic textual nature in mainstream books has never, as far as I can remember, never been like this ever. Yeah, I'm I mean, I mean, mainstream book. I'm not talking about comics with an X. Or in, yeah, in- and, and you know, this 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 stuff definitely existed. You know, Omaha the Cat Dance or whatever. You know, like that that's a book that has this kind of stuff going on, and it's known. It's 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 not it's not nothing, but it wasn't put up by Image, right? And um, or you know, going back to the Crumb or something like that. It's funny because now we have these examples of books that were from the literal comics underground, and they're they're start they're starting to show up in 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 the mainstream. And I, uh, and I, it's interesting. I don't have a problem with it. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I have no problem with it. I, I find it. Does it really make you uncomfortable? I'm not sure what it says. I just didn't. I didn't feel that the story was overly um, compelling. Okay. It was one of those things where you're like, oh, this is cute that she's she's like this and she's doing and it's fine. But I don't. Yeah, like I don't care about it. So I don't know. It was interesting. I I, I, I sound more negative than I want to because I don't. I yeah. I was. Uh, very intrigued by it. It was interesting. I just don't know that it has given me the thing that's actually going to work as the hook for me yet. Because it's basically, I mean, it's a metaphor. It feels like a metaphor for sexual coming of age, which is 
not all that unusual other than the fact that it's pretty suppressed in society. So in that way, it's it's like a, a healthy kind of thing. Plus, she's going to become a bank robber. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes now. Um, now that, you know. They, they finally found a way to uh, effectively use that horrible coloring method. Uh, when she's in the Photoshop? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that kind of, that, yeah. They used a lot in powers, I remember. Well, I think I think it's very character oriented in in this first issue, and so maybe maybe it'll take the second issue to really because it's just a tease at the end that they're going to use this ability to stop time to commit crimes, and that, that'll probably form, you know, and that that'll gel hopefully over the the next couple of issues. So, if Burt Reynolds shows up or his voice supposedly, and then I'll be all right. Okay, then I'll be all in. <laughs> but. <laughs> Okay, but, I uh, wanted to. I, I, I like, I mean, I'm giving this solid four stars, but I just didn't love it. I thought it was more interesting than anything. I'll go with that. So I wanted to talk about outer space. <laughs> so we don't talk about outer space nearly enough. Um, in the midst of all the the crazy stuff going on with Infinity, uh, you have a couple of the regulars ongoing books that uh, play into that. Um, Nova number eight and Guardians of the Galaxy number six. Um, the big story with Guardians of the Galaxy is that it's goddamn gorgeous with the uh, Sarah Bocelli pencils. And this, this issue in particular is if you're, if you're bothered by Bendis doing a lot of talking head um, conversational stuff over in like battle of the atom, um, I don't entirely grant your premise, but this is a very action oriented issue. So if you're, if you're looking for a return to the more swashbuckling kind of adventure comics, even though there's a lot of conversation going on, there's a great outer space battle with Gamora and uh, this Angela character. Uh, you've got the Watcher in there. Um, how do you guys feel about the Watcher? I've never really latched on. I love the Watcher. Love him. Love the Watcher. You don't use the Watcher too much. Right. That's so, I really think you want to make sure. I think that's it. You, you want to make sure that you don't do the thing where the big Watcher story is that he does interfere. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing that he always does. You need to find a way around that or be very, very, very spare with it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it does. And I I think what he's doing here is he has an internal monologue for the Watcher and how he's freaked out because there's this weird temporal anomaly in that Angela's in a, you know, publishing universe that she doesn't belong in or didn't belong in before. And in the end, uh, when they ask him what's going on, he says, you know, I'm just to observe passively and this is this this is what this is. But he doesn't interfere. So it shows that there is a struggle in that big old noggin saying, I want to, you know, maybe help people out because this could end up, you know, catastrophic. But in the end, he goes by the usual the typical and says, I am the watcher. This is this. Um, I can't interfere. Sorry. Not even sorry. I'm the watcher on the walls. Wait, no, sorry. Different one. So that so that was a lot of fun. Books looking great, um, and fun stuff with Groot and Rocket Raccoon. I don't. I still don't know why Iron Man's here. Um, kind of an interloper. Fails. Yeah. Uh, Nova number eight. Uh, continuing on with Zeb Wells. Um, this is a, this is a fun book. This is and 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 I like that it it addresses the fact that. This is a kid being a superhero, and he has all these role models to follow. So, you know, like, this is what you do as a superhero. And yet, when he runs up to his girlfriend while he's still in costume, she recognizes him instantly. And he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I didn't disguise my voice. I'm an idiot. And I thought that was kind of cute that, like, 
play up to the fact that people can't just disguise their voice around people that they know and and interact with every day in their in their civilian lives. Um, this is a, a closer tie into Infinity in that it has Thanos and or Thanos. Uh, Thanos <laughs> caught 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 myself there and. Um, some of his his lieutenants, uh, and there's a there's a teenage girl who bursts out of the belly of this weird alien animal, and she is set loose by Thanos uh, to to go after this kid Nova because he has a long history with the Novas and the Cancerverse, and he wants to know why there is still uh, a little Nova corpsman running around, flying around on Earth, um, and so this is it's a it's a fun and very light hearted. Well, lighthearted. Um, it's lighter in comparison to what's going on in Infinity proper and the other Avengers books. It's it's not as dry. Um, it's a little bit more uh, more robust, more fun, and so I would I would recommend that. Who's the artist on it now? It's uh, Paco Medina. I enjoyed the first six issues. Uh, I might go back. I don't know. I really like the fact that it was sort of self-contained. Anyway, uh, the, I think the other book Josh talked about earlier is Sex Number Seven from. Image Comics, uh, Joe Casey, Peter Kowalski, uh, continues to do a really fun and interesting sort of crime drama book that also doesn't feel like anything else. Although these chin hairs got to go. Chin hair? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got these Billy Girl Gruff things that just annoy the hell out of me. That's, that's, like... that's really big in wherever Peter Kowalski's from. How about the two... How about the two... Man misses with uh, Prince Adam here, though. That's something. <laughs> I, I just really, I think, I think, the, I think the mythology he's laying down is really interesting. I love the moment when they, uh, the Killer Croc character tosses uh, that guy into the ocean, into the river, and he pops his hand out like Jason at the end of Friday the Thirteenth. Killer Croc character. Yeah, the the, the main the bad guy? guy is basically yeah, he's basically Killer Croc. At the alligator skin. Yeah, oh, okay. he was Killer all Croc. Right. These are all Batman allegories. Um, and uh, pops his hand out at the end. You know, he's not—he's not dead, so he's gonna. Who was that guy? Do you know who that guy was? The uh, they called him the operator. Did we uh, meet him before? Yeah, we did. They, they beat him up in the last issue, and they, they tortured yeah. him for information. That I, I remember that part. I just remember who he was. Anyway, the reason that I, I I wanted to bring this up is that I was reading it, and and I feel like this is a bold statement. I feel like with this book existing, there's kind of no reason for any other post superhero stories. Whoa. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like he's solved the you know like what's going on in 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 your pick of the week in Jupiter's Legacy is like a what if it all went wrong story and it's fine and it's entertaining and we've seen it but like I feel like this is like after this it's not really we said all of the things since 1986 we've said all the things we need to say about the the other side of superheroes. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, like it feels like I'm like, I feel like we've solved it now and I'm, I'm totally reading this and whatever, but like, I, I would be totally happy with the, the other kind of superhero stories, uh, too, which I didn't used to like or whatever, but you're swinging back to the traditional now you're done with, I, I'm just saying like, I, I, they've, they've, they've just explored so much ground and Joe Casey in particular has done it so well in so many different ways. You know, the, the progression from, from it, through his stuff to get to this. Like he just can't stop thinking about the other sides of the superheroes. What what is it about? And and he this, does it in such a way that. What is it about this one in particular that? Because this is the well the last one. I mean, the thing is, you know, the first sort of steps in it is to look at these characters and go, wait a minute, they're a little bit pathological. They're they're a little bit, 
you know, antisocial may have problems. And then, you know, the, the extension of it is like, they are all fucked up sex perverts. And, and like, it's true. Like that's the logical extension of all this. And there's not really a lot else to say about it. Right. And, and I, 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 it's, I, I'm blown away. Like it's really well-written. And I feel like the way that our society is, the way that, the way that we view material like this, it will get looked over because it's also putting the sex aspect of it. And I like that it's completely agnostic sex. It's, you know, whoever's fucking or whatever they're doing, how, like, it's just there, which is real life, by the way. It's always there. We just don't talk about it. It's always in the background of everything. There's my philosophy on life. But I I just feel like... Are people having sex behind you right now, Josh? Is that what you're trying to tell us? If the dog could reach, (laughs) he would, but he's got a weird neck. Um... But like it, like it's kind of like to me, it's like this is kind of the final word on what what a Batman thing is is really going to be about. And it just at the end, of the day, it's just done really well. I'm I'm going through and I'm going, you know what? For I don't know how many years now, fifteen years, you know, Joe Casey books are are written really well and they're always thought provoking and interesting. Uh, and I just continue to be totally impressed by this. But I I do think like, all right, you guys, you've solved the Batman. I mean, I mean you can say that about any kind of sure. I think it's just a matter. Oh. I mean, in that by that logic, all the stories are done because they've they've done the, yeah. they've solved the traditional stories. They've solved the post, you know, the the breakdown of a, the teardown of the of the trope stories. I mean, they're all been done. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying go ahead and have his current adventures and whatever, and do the thing. But at the end of the day, this is the statement that's going to stand. It, it isn't because it'll you know the churn, but I'm very impressed by it. And and I, I really like the way I like think I like the way it makes me think. I like that it's bigger than just the thing. It's funny, I'm saying that, I'm looking at the cover. And the cover is his gears inside the dude's head. Right. Um I never thought of that. Anyway, next next issue's gonna be messed book. up. From the looks of things. Well that the next issue I'm like, oh it's just preacher. The next issue is the uh sure. the, the big orgy. Yeah. The big orgy. So if you want to help the show out, go to ifanboy.com slash comics. And if you are interested in Joe Casey's sex book, in November, there's going to be the first collection collecting issues one through eight, which this issue is issue seven. So up to you get the orgy in it. So that's something to look forward to. And if you want to buy that in November, go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, click on the Amazon link, purchase it there. We get a little piece of that sale. Nothing comes out of your pocket, comes out of Amazon's gigantic pockets. And uh, everyone is happy. We're happy. The lights stay on. You're happy. you got the sex book. Amazon's happy. They made a sale. Everyone's happy, even Joe Casey. Eight issues is nice. That's a nice, yeah, it's a trade. nice healthy, nice healthy trade. You don't see that a lot. Uh, so make that your bookmark. Go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Copy and paste the link to Amazon. Make that your Amazon bookmark. Never think about it again. And uh, and that's how you can best help the show. Eight issues do not is, think about it. Eight issues is engorged. <laughs> it's engorged. It's a, it's a throbbing book. Yes. It's not a, it's not a flaccid four issue. No, 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 not at all. A floppy floppy three issues and yet it's not the kind of book that will just dangle there you know it'll no. stand proud no, it's a it's a tumescent volume <laughs> yeah exactly stand proud on the shelf yeah with sex volume yeah. one so go to I preferably next to two smaller books and we thank you very much <laughs> now um another s book from image look at the s cargo is uh saga 14 and i was telling somebody this week that i'm really enjoying saga but i'm reaching the point of uh, maybe uh, I should jump, jump, jump the trades because, you know, I just, it's, it's a very long story and it's not written in a traditional something exciting happens in every issue way. And, 
you know. It's really interesting how you've, you've become like this because I, I was thinking about this and I really like reading stories. Like as long as it doesn't take so long that I forget what's happening. Right. I don't mind spending a little time every month going into those worlds. In fact, I am more likely to read it like this because I will – it's not even a money thing. Like I will not get the trades. And if I do get them, I won't read them because I'll be like, I don't have time to read that whole thing. I like these bite-sized chunks. I like stepping into these worlds. We've also built it up in a way and and put it up kind of on a pedestal, but it it does deliver every time. Um, There, there's some, you know, some issues are better than others, but I think it always feels special and um, it always feels kind of novel. Master the single issue. Yeah. And there are cliffhangers at the end of every one. And um, I I really enjoyed this issue in particular. I, I like that we get a return to the tiny little seal person with the walrus mount, even though it's just like a background thing, or it's just like an establishing shot. Like the, right. the characters play no part in this issue, but I, I like seeing them again. They're interesting characters and that something terrible is going to happen to that little seal person, or it's going to turn into a crazy monster with a Sarlacc pit mouth. Um, I don't know which, but, or it's going to be some kind of crazy sexual deviant. I don't know. Um, what I like here, finding a little bit more about the family stuff. Um, we've got even Alana's stepmom, <laughs> and I like that the Great drawing, I like I like that oh. that those fairy folk have different kinds of wings. That's just a neat detail. They don't have the same kind of fairy wing. Like she has like a monarch butterfly kind of wing, and you know dad has his own kind of wings. Um, and it's just there's there, it would be easy for the artist to just draw them all alike and they have the same anatomy, but um, so it's a you know nice bit of world building there. Um, what else happens in this issue? It was good. We get maybe something going mom. on. Maybe something going on with with uh, mom without her ear and I, I an eye guy. It's a big eye. Just saying, a lot he, of good he stuff. puked on the baby. Listen, that, that baby's puked. That baby's puked for other people, so that baby deserves it. Yeah. True. Uh, I wanted to mention Batman Superman three point one Doomsday number one really quickly because it felt like there was a bit of a re- rebuke to Man of Steel in this issue. Uh, this was written by great series writer Greg Pak, and it was a. Uh, Tale of Doomsday on Krypton, which I wasn't really so much into uh, quite at all. But uh, in the issue, Doomsday's wrecking havoc. Colonel, is it Colonel? Yeah, Colonel Zod shows up. This is before he's general to save the day and uh, saves the life of the narrator. Uh, but in the process, it says, but because of him, thousands more died as the city crumbled and uh, felt a little spot on. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Not so much the story; it's just that that little bit of dialogue. Does it give really you? Does it, of... And he's going to be doing action comics. Yes. Fox. So does that? I mean, seeing it's more of a traditional Superman comic than Superman Batman. Um, uh, it's hard to say. I just didn't really care about this particular story. I didn't really care about Doomsday wrecking havoc on old Krypton. Right. Uh, Brett Booth draw, drew it, and I'm not a fan of his, so that sort of turns me off. Also, and uh, you know. I just didn't. It was written fine. I just didn't really care. Do you know what I mean? Okay. It just. It was the story line. The story. The subject matter. I didn't really care about. But it's an Doomsday. interesting commentary, though. I thought it was too. funny that there was yeah. sort of a very spot on Doomsday and Zod fighting in the city, and it's getting destroyed. And they they made a point of mentioning thousands died in the rubble, and I thought that was interesting. That's all. Uh, Young Avengers ten. I think Kieran Gillen is very smart. Yes. Smart cookie. I, I mean, like I was reading this. And, and I, I, I just couldn't help sort of get past the post. Like this is, this is remarkably well thought out. 
And I was, I was very impressed. I was a little intimidated, but there was just one of those issues where not a lot happened, but there were just machinations and things moving around and stuff that's clearly been around since the beginning and reveals and, and big deals, uh, you know, t- 10 issues in. And I, I just, I was, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, leaving out the art or anything. We've all said many times we like it, uh, but it's really well written and planned. And I was, I was just super impressed by it and I continue to be, but like almost more so like now it wasn't, this was not an action issue or anything. It's not really an action story, but, um, I, I think the thing, Loki, uh, like really got such a handle on that character. And, and the thing is we keep fooling ourselves into thinking, well, maybe, maybe we should trust him and like him because this isn't the same one. And that's just dumb. And it's <laughs> obviously dumb, but we all do it. That's why he's so, uh, he wins. I know it's great. I it's find myself brilliant. less interested in, or less connected to the mother character and that story. And I, I realize that sounds crazy because it's basically the whole story. But I'm not really sure I've got a handle on what the whole scheme is and what her what she is. And I don't really. I just like the characters and hanging out with them, and that's fun. But when it gets back to the mother showing up and and the blobby people, I just don't. I sort of check out a little bit. But yeah, I think I think the characters are the draw, really, and those yeah. relationships and. I like that he's sort of yep. like expanding the cast a little bit. So Wonder Woman 23.2, Firstborn number one. Um, this was also written by series writer Brian Azzarello. Like, you know, once again, you never know if you're supposed to read the issue or not if you're following the book. But this is an introduction if to... the series writer, I go for it. Yeah, but the thing is, like we mentioned, how do you know? You don't know. Like, you have to look. In the I took the chance. Book. Did you read this? Yeah, I did. I did. This seems to be, you know, setting up the next major villain in the story, the firstborn son of Zeus and and um, Hipp- 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 Hippolyta. Hipp- how do you say that name? Hippolyta. Well, you could say Hippolyta. You could say Hippolyta. That's Ron Hippolyta. left and I've taken over the the role of not being able to pronounce anything. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Someone asked me on Twitter <laughs> today, right "What's the deal right? with rusty auto parts?" <laughs> He's like, "What yeah. is the deal with that?" And I so I sent him a link, but. Anyway, I, I I liked it. I thought it was an interesting setup. I mean, it's not super crucial. You don't need to read it, but you know, if it's you background want to on books, the firstborn but... character that that Wonder Woman basically defeated in in the last time. That was the pick of the week. Yeah. The real story here, I think, is ACO uh, on pencil because mm-hmm. I because I opened this up and I thought it was Cliff Chang, and it wasn't. And you don't always have to ape the main artist style, but if you're gonna. Uh, this guy, this guy can come back, or this acronym, this computer program, whatever ACO is, can come back anytime. <laughs> um, this is great. I thought this was a beautiful it's book. It's a cliff optimizer. <laughs> Hello, I am ACO. <laughs> I will draw like cliff chat. Looks like Alfie. So, uh, you know what's funny is if, if there wasn't really a whole lot of Wonder Woman, but no. there was a whole lot of he's rewriting Greek mythology, which yeah. is a pretty big thing. It's it's maybe even harder than rewriting Superman. I like it. I quite enjoyed it. I like yep. it. Him being raised raised in the wild and showing up with his army of crazy feral animals and um, and it's and it's Apollo right is he's he's learning the story of, uh, of yep. the firstborn um, and I like the the oracles like I just I like how he sort of updated you know like he, he the crazy stuff that he did with uh, with Hermes um, you know having the chicken legs and um, I, just, I just sort of like the update on on Apollo and and the oracles is sort of like B girls or something um just explaining what's what's going on and uh, I like the voice of that so uh great book okay. yep I wanted to bring up east of west really quick uh east of west number six um, it's a Hickman book so I'm not entirely sure what's going on 
Uh, big, big world swirling around. Everybody's being really vague. But they brought in the Texas Rangers, which I really enjoyed. Not the baseball team, the right. actual Texas Rangers. I figured Rangers. that was why. And there's this really fun uh, court courtroom scene uh, and the idea of justice. And there's, there's actually – there are people who are fighting against whatever the world has turned into. Uh, and it, it – you know, the more Western this book gets, the more I like it. The more Eastern, the more I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So there you go. And that, that you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm culturally biased. There it is. Uh, I wanted to uh, finally bring up the wake number four, uh, Scott Snyder and uh, Sean Murphy. I just, uh, this is like an exercise in raising the stakes, which is certainly done. And, you know, this felt like, uh, I was going to say deep blue sea, but I feel like that's not doing it, doing it a disservice. It feels like aliens. <laughs> but it did have that where like, yeah, that same thing. Like they just kept getting deeper and it kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And at the end it was worse than that. And that was good. It was very suspenseful for a comic book. We don't see a lot of that constant, you know, moving and very. Although I, I just feel at the beginning, like it was big. kind of crazy that they survived. You know, I didn't sure. totally buy the fact that they would have survived that, but I let it that go. I just really love Meeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Meeks is a great character. You gotta get shit done. <laughs> and that, that thing the at the again. end is huge. Like that scale is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. And caught me entirely off guard. Man. Yeah. It's interesting. I, 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 that's what I just like, I like the science or the pseudoscience behind all this. I think it's fun. Um, it's a really successful horror book, which is good. And it's beautiful. The coloring, like is, the, coloring is great. I like how the uh, Native Americans are destroyed by what I think is Gungan technology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. There it is. <laughs> it's true. Boom. Oh, stupid. This is science. Boom, boom. I can't even acknowledge that. That's great. Um. All right. So those those are the books I that we're ex- that out of town. Those are the books that we're excited about uh, this week. Uh, but we want to talk about some some news that hit. Uh, so I just started this week uh, doing some writing over at MTV Splash Page. Uh, so I invite you all to to via come on over and see what happens <laughs> when the comics meet the movies um, and the TV. So some of the some of the big stories this week: uh, Gotham heading to Fox Television. Uh, young James Gordon cop show uh, developed by Bruno Heller of The Mentalist. And you're going to hear, be hearing a lot about Mentalist uh, alums uh, in this block of the show. Um, well, I thought it, it was fun because you you did that. There was a word that maybe Gotham Central was going to be made to a show. So you yeah, it's did been like long paint, rumored. And, and, and you I, painstakingly did that casting call the article for, the, for MTV Geek and Splash Page. Uh, or Splash Page, I'm yeah. sorry, not Geek, Splash Page. And... Uh, and then this, the news came out. There wasn't actually. It was like hours later. Like it, it went. Yeah. I'd, I'd agonized it over for two days. Like just putting every, like finding my Maggie Sawyer, finding, you know, my Jim Gordon, and now they're gonna do a young Jim Gordon, and it's no Batman. It's before Batman. Yeah. Uh, any? It's a, it's a cop show with in Gotham with a young Jim Gordon. So any rogues at all? They said you're gonna Is see gonna the be beginnings of, of villains. You know, you're gonna see the sort of early stages of it who knows what that means but apparently there's a fierce bidding war it didn't end up on fox everyone's surprised it ended up on the cw right you know these shows don't automatically go to the cw they they, they have to get purchased by the networks and uh you know like wonder woman didn't go to the cw either or they went to nbc as well nbc so anyway fox ended up buying it after what was told was one of the more fierce bidding wars in recent times so apparently people really like the script bruno heller's a good writer i really do enjoy it. i really enjoy the mentalist it's a good mystery show so you know who knows what's going to happen i think it's 
exciting. I mean, it's it, it was certainly surprising news, but uh, there's there's parts these, of it that it's like, why don't you just use Gotham Central? Um, I know there was a thing where Chris Nolan had a like a, a moratorium you cannot use, like please don't use Batman, you know, on like Smallville or it wasn't please, it was you can't. There was no asking; it was telling. Yeah, well, it's just like you do not do that, and because we want to stay on message with you know what Batman is, and um, we don't want that in you know that involvement. And uh, but I don't, so I don't know if that still stands with you know Zack Snyder and Batman versus Superman. Um, well, I mean, obviously, uh, clearly not. If, if they're doing this, and I wonder, I do wonder if it's going to take place in that world. Even though, although the new Batman movie is not in that that world, so maybe they have freedom now to to sort of step outside of the Nolan universe. But um, I think the re- I mean, just speculating, I think the reason they did this instead of Gotham Central is just a higher degree of pre awareness, is which what, what they all want now in their projects. Is uh, and our friend uh, Jeff Reed mentioned to me that there is sort of a precedent for this, um, not in Gotham Central, but there's there was apparently a, a series out there about. Uh, young Jim Gordon uh, in Chicago before he moved out to Gotham in Batman Year One. Um, I don't know the the writers or, or artists involved, but um, I'm gonna borrow those issues off them and, and check it out. Um, it's it's there's, but there's part of it that's like why bother doing you know like what what would make the show special beyond all the bazillion other procedurals? And is it just Jim Gordon in name? Yeah, um, it's, so it is. I, it's he's he's a popular character. Yeah. It's interesting they think that, that that character's name has enough weight. Yeah, so... I suppose, pop-culturally. I don't care that Batman... Like, I, I, well, I, I hear Batman's not in it, and I go, that's probably better. I, I'm totally fine with that, because Batman was never the draw of... I mean, it's going to be like Smallville. Like, the, yeah, the specter of it will be in the background, if I understand it correctly. But, you know, the, the idea was... Well, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, the... Spect- like, the, the, the early promise... Well, I mean, because it was good. I mean, they told a lot of really interesting good cop stories in a place that was really hard to be a cop. And if people are going to, if the criminal element starts getting crazier and crazier, as long as it's well done, and that's really the that's really the question. Then there there could certainly be something there. I think I tend to think of when people described Smallville for a long time, it was a show where like you're not going to see him fly, you're not going to see him in costume. That's Mm -hmm. a promise. So. But it was still there, even though they didn't do it or, or think because, about it. That's mostly because the main character was going that way. This is more like the world is crumbling around this guy. You know, Batman may be just be like, he's not gonna be like if it's badly written, uh, like just be lots of God. I, I just wish somebody, <laughs> somebody would do something. Need some help here. I mean, it would be great if there was just a person just who just had a mission. You know. Maybe if oh, they well. have like a like real bats like like flying into the windows, but they don't break through. Like they just keep like crashing, <laughs> keep bouncing off, <laughs> like bouncing, bouncing off the glass. So that one's gotten a serious commitment, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be on the air, but it doesn't mean that they are committing to producing. Right, a and serial. I am I am curious to see, even though it's not a direct adaptation of Gotham Central, if they do pull anything else from Gotham Central. Um, right, because it is such it's like it's like this close, but not exactly. I don't know. So they they could, but so the, uh, another TV show that they just announced uh, this week, Constantine, or it will probably be known as Constantine, um, on NBC. That's not a serious commitment, though. They're just developing a project, right? They're, yeah, they're writing. They're working on a script. So that, that's important to understand. Yes. Yeah, that that's important to understand. If you're listening, that doesn't that means that you know the most that will ever be produced of this could just be a script. Right. right. However, uh, David Goyer. 
uh, involved. And uh, Daniel Serrano, I guess, is also from The Mentalist. He is the the other guy Mentalist. is the showrunner of The Mentalist. This guy is an executive producer mm-hmm. on The Mentalist. Well, go, you know, and Goyer, you know, whether or not you like Superman or not, this Goyer has made billions of dollars for Warner Brothers. Goyer's got his hooks into these properties, and he's sort of become known as the the DC guy, yeah. right? So he does. I think like everything goes. Feels like everything goes through him first. He's yeah, and uh, you know that depends on how much you like his work. Depends on how happy you are about that. But uh, okay, so, but when but when I um, send an email to Josh, Josh, what what did you type? Can you are can you vocalize the word that you said in response? I believe it was retrofrasiness. <laughs> so Mutley. I, yeah, yeah. Um, how you feeling? I don't know. It's, I, I don't think it'll. I I don't think it'll happen. Very realistically, they can't even sell comic books for this thing. It's, it's a very well-known. Well, but it's yeah, but this is sort of like you know supernatural detective show, which is there's certainly NBC. First of all, yeah. there's those shows that are on the air right now, and they're somewhat. Popular. My first thought, my my literal first thought, and the thing that I don't really have an answer for is whether he's going to be British or not. And if he is British, he's definitely going to be in America. Yeah, right. It's going to be like, like elementary. Would you love to see the BBC make this show? It would be great if they made this show in England, but and I, you know, there might be a there might be a case for 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 making it British uh, if they. Well, I'll very popular. It, they, could, they could feel that way. Um, but it yeah, it just it depends how uh, how how far they're willing to go. I don't know how much of it translates to it's because it's on it's on what it's NBC. There's a lot of there's a lot of chances for that to go wrong, and and you're gonna get just another dumb show. Um, I, I, I mean, that's what I think. I think it's very unlikely it would be something watchable if it even makes it to that point. So, so, so the, the possibility exists that we'll have it along with Gotham and with the flash at the CW, which is actually happening. So there's a chance that next season you've got three DC shows going at the same time, which would be interesting to Marvel's agents of shield. Maybe four, four right? comic book shows going. It would be Arrow, and also, like, Flash. None of the people- Oh, an arrow. So that'd be four yeah. DC shows on the air. Yeah, it, it, right. N- none of the none of the people behind anything at any of those companies right now makes me think that they're going to create a Constantine show that will appeal to the kind of Constantine fan that I was. Nothing. <laughs> You're probably not the target audience. What if it was like? What if and it was I like HBO or Showtime? Accept that you don't even have cable. That you're definitely not the target audience. They don't care about you. No, I know. I I know. I I mean, I'm and I've long ago accepted that. But like, there's, there's going to be like, an, like, you know, oh, it's not going to be like, it's going to be a TV show. You've seen a million other TV shows like this. They all have stuff in common. It's going to be like that. So it's not going to be for me. I'm not mad about it. People were like, I want to see Josh's rant. This is what this, this is why this stuff exists to make TV shows out of it and hopefully cash in on a larger scale. Yep. They they very rarely succeed at it. We very rarely see them. Over the years, we've had tons of shows optioned and developed, and right. even pilots written, even pilots filmed, and we don't necessarily see them. So, but even we'll the ones that make it to air, that make it to series, very rarely succeed. You know, the successes we've seen in this are Smallville was a, a very strange success, but a, a long sort of slow burn success, and then the other ones are giant movies. Well, Arrow's been successful but, so you know, far. Yeah, but in the same way that Smallville is. Yeah, yeah. Successful right. in the way that a show a low-budget action series is in today's TV market, which is a very different thing than it was five, ten years ago. Yeah, which I think they're going to the, the, the cop route. I mean, these are both sort of cop shows. You mm-hmm. know, Constantine's not a cop, he's a detective. 
Mm-hmm. At least he's an investigator. He's a whatever he a private eye type of character. You know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe it takes. Maybe it does like Galactica. Maybe it's great. We'll find out. No. Let's do some audience questions. The first is an email from Pari London, my son. I don't know if that, what that means. From the UK. And he says, I recently gave up my pull list. Uh, I gave my pull list a major call. I was skim reading books just to get through them and keep up with the stories. My wallet was also groaning. Some people, books were removed to trade. Others were left behind as a single shed tear in each of their memories. Moving down from an average of 10 to around five weekly reads has saved me money, but it hasn't saved me time. I now find I'm spending around the same amount of time on my books but enjoying them so much more, taking in the pacing, the panel layout, the pencils, the inks, the lettering, the narrative, appreciating the books as a whole package. So my question is, now that the website side of iFanboy has signed off, are you able to just read the books you want rather than many you're obligated to for professional reasons? And if you, if so, are you enjoying them uh, more with a lighter load? Uh, no? Not, not that I'm enjoying the less, but you know, the, the, thing, the thing that we had to read the books for was the show. I have less time to read the book. I'm like cramming them out. It's worse than ever. But it's just, I mean, I didn't have to read the books to do the light week column. It was, it was to talk about them on the show and do the pick of the week. So the thing that the major driving force behind reading the books is still here for me anyway. Yeah. It, it feels like there would be more space and more time to read the stuff. And that's, I guess, technically the case. But the way it actually works out is we don't have the incentive that we have to cram and read all the books on Wednesday or, or, you know, the main contenders on Wednesday and then write a review. So uh, I think we're ending up reading a lot of stuff on Friday. Yeah, no, I, I, I have more time, but I, what I find is I do that time for other things. <laughs> so my comic time is less and my other time is... I'm reading busy. more trades. I'm, I'm, I'm reading yes. Razzle. I'm reading... I got the, the big color complete edition and I've been reading Razzle. I read Revival, which we talked about last week. Um... I uh, I have a, a job and a little kid, so there's no vacuum that is not filled. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Comic reading for me is mostly the same. But I I always like to – those are the parts that I like to read, that I like about comics, is to sort of look at the mechanics and stuff. That's why I'm in it. That's why, why I'm into it. I mean, so um, no one wants to hear about us not having enough time or anything like that, but uh, – that's how I try to read my comics. I think, I think the main point is that it hasn't changed for us. It's, it's not like uh, the thing we had to do to read the books is gone. It's still here. It's the show. So ultimately, it's the same amount of reading. Uh, let's take a voicemail now from a guy with a character about pets or not. Hey, fanboys. This is Drogan from New Jersey. I have a question for you. What are your favorite pet characters? Not necessarily your favorite characters, but the people that you like to see show up in the background of scenes, or just every so often in the appearance in Spider-Man. Uh, my favorite are Cloak and Dagger. I like to see them. I don't necessarily always love their individual series, but when they pop up, I'm a happy fan. Thanks, guys. Love the show. So who do we like to see pop up in a book? Who are we excited to see in a story? I, we mentioned The Watcher earlier. I always liked seeing The Watcher show up. Um, I was always a big Phantom Stranger fan. Whenever He was in the, basically DC's version of The Watcher. When he showed up, it meant something bad was going to happen. Uh, not anymore. Not like there's on book, but um, let's see. We used, to, we used to say that was the Punisher, you know, many years ago. That he was always this is like a force of nature. Yeah, that just pops. Yeah. Up. Um, um, for me, it's a lot of the Justice Society characters, and like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like you know, not the current 
versions of them, even though I, I, you know, enjoy Earth 2 from time to time. But um, I would I would always love when, you know, Dr. Midnight would show up with the owl. And um, I, I, I love a lot of those sort of like golden age kind of characters and, uh, you know, Wildcat. And um, I like when Dr. Midnight would show up to help like to fix somebody. You know, like there'll be an yeah. injury and suddenly Dr. Midnight there strapping on his, his glove, you mm-hmm. know, his, uh, his medical gear or whatever, but over the costume. But that's probably planetary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like uh, I like Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. I like when Jimmy Olsen shows up because he's he's can be throwbacky, and you can watch people try to figure out how or if to modernize them at all. It's always sort of something that's sort of telling about the kind of story that the writer is trying to go for. I really like um I don't like Doctor Strange all that much, but I like when Wong shows up. <laughs> he usually comes along with him. Big fan of Wong. Um. <laughs> I like Iceman a lot. Wait, why Wong? I like Wong. Is it because of his name? It's funny. I no, no, it's not that. I think it's that he's one of those characters that he's like he's basically like he's ignored by everybody. He's perceived to be like a low level kind of lackey, but he knows his shit. He knows what's going on. He knows what's up. And you think about like he's he's like uh, he's like Kiff. Like, can you just imagine having to deal with Stephen Strange? Right. Like he's a guy who sees and knows everything. He has all his stuff, and he's got a massive ego. Right. And, right. and I like I like I like the hubris of a guy who you know, like he's just that's he's chosen to live that life for some reason. I think that's interesting. You mentioned Jimmy Olsen. Um, um I love yeah. I love Steve Lombard. I love whenever Steve Lombard <laughs> pops up because he's such a dick. Um, he's like he's like the Joe Bluth of the DC universe. He's wonderful. <laughs> It's funny because like the the whole cast of Ultimate Spider-Man is like one of those characters. Mm-hmm. Like every, like for a while when when uh, when Iceman and uh, I guess it was Firestar, right? Yeah, no, they lived with Human Peter. Torch. Human Torch, right? Oh, like that stuff. Like I like those characters a lot. I like them hanging out, but I like ensembles just in general. I like those characters that come and make the ensemble more interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's the answer. Those are pretty for. good. Those are pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Squeeze one more email in, Paul. Can you take it for us? Micah from Texas. I have recently transferred into a four-year university this fall, and I'm finding it harder to make time for comics. I understand that readings for class is more important than comics, and the comics will still be there, and that I don't have to read them right away. I find myself now rewarding myself with a comic when I complete homework. Uh, or do well, or do swell on a quiz or test. Uh, my question to you guys is: uh, When you three were in college, how did you guys balance out your time for comics? This is like the companion piece of the first email. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, there wasn't as much internet born then. There was no. Well, the thing is, that, remember, is Josh and I had a really useless major that didn't require a lot of work. <laughs> ah. I had a lot of free time. Yeah, I mean, I did like relatively. I did a lot. I, you know what? You're right. I was never at the point where I was like, I don't have time to read these comics. Right. I mean, Connor and I would play Madden a lot. <laughs> or Goldeneye. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, just it's like anything else. You but you budget your time. And in college, I, I don't know, but I, I had a lot of free, a lot of free time. I, I mean, I don't. Maybe maybe he's he's, he's like a pre med or something. He's got stuff going. I definitely had stuff to read. I read lots of books in college. I did lots of stuff, but. I mean, you were you were in class like three hours a day. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's what you don't understand. I'm, I'm figuring <laughs> what's happening here, uh, Micah. And I'm sorry to do this to you, but you are in college, so that means you're coming from high school where you had nothing but free time. Like you thought you were busy, you thought you had stuff, but once you 
I mean, like, it just keeps getting worse. I actually thought like, I actually had the opposite problem. I I went to a high school that was very rigorous, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of the things they told us was that you you will find yourself busier here than you will in college. So when college came around, I was like, this is fucking awesome. I don't have right. four hours of homework a night, and and you know. Well, uh, what I'm saying is, like, as you progress through life stages, you will find that your time will become more and more precious. Right. Yeah. What if you're if you're already freshman year, you have no time. In you're college, screwed. whatever whatever job you're working for is going to really eat up your time, and then you're going to, you know, you you'll get married, or you'll have a kid, or you'll have a dog, or you'll have whatever. You'll have to take care of your house and rake the yard and all that. Like, you'll you will pine for the time that you. <laughs> I, that you I think about college and like this. We used to jump like jump in a car and go somewhere. And was, how did we do that? Like, how, how did we have time? Yeah, for that? no. It was, it was, let's take it. Let's take a road trip. Okay, <laughs> you just do it. Or or. Or like this is the greatest like today in my life I can't just decide I'm gonna stay up all night, right? Because that's gonna that's gonna screw me up for three or four days. But like then totally good. I used to, I remember I used to schedule my classes so that I never had any before noon. Yeah, I, I had a, like noon to three, and then after three o'clock I didn't have any classes, and so I had, and like... I had a job. I worked at the mall at the same time. Like it was just time. <laughs> Where does it all go? I found that I had more of a routine in college. Like I, I commuted to college and I would go on the train. And I, I could read on the train a lot. Um, and like, you know, before I left campus, I would go a little bit off campus to, to get my comics. Um, and I didn't get into comics until like later on in college. So um, and I was doing like senior project and stuff. So uh, it was even less sort of structured. So I could, you know, wander around town and you know, grab my comics and then go somewhere and, and eat lunch and, and read my books and stuff or read them on the train going home or whatever. Um, and I found that just like I, I like I knew when I should be reading comics, like I I knew when I had those opportunities to read them, whereas now I just sort of um, since I work from home, it's just sort of like I forget to read my comics or like I always wouldn't get around to, to them. There's always something else that I'm doing or. So um, I liked having like Wednesday. I would read my comics or, or whatever. I also think I'm reading probably twice as many comics now as I was in college. Yeah, probably. I think. Um, and digital makes everything different, you know, like that. It, it's a it's a different experience than having my you're not, brown. You're not looking bag. at a stack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm thinking about it now and, and like. The amount of stuff I did in college would have made me would have made me tired just thinking about it now. <laughs> Which is old. You know All that mean? we're doing is telling them. Where, and I'm not, not. Paul's not even part of this, but like he's getting there. Yeah. No, I I totally know. I don't even understand how we fit it. Like how did like how did I do all that stuff? I spent a lot of time. To, to be girls. fair. To be fair. I should have worked harder. That's true for all. Yeah, read what we sewed. Frighteningly abundant. To look at my current status, <laughs> you got you, you know, guys were you Connor, guys were communications, right? And TV and radio, TV majors, and radio, right? right? And and I was I was don't screenwriting, be a TV radio major, <sighs> and you were a screenwriting major, and I was screenwriting that's, major, and that's a thing, it's real. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but it, that's a long shot. Yeah, but I, um, I, I should be an engineer for God's sake. But my thing was just just real quick was that you know my screenwriting professors were also big into comics. Like I helped my professor move his boxes of comics out of his basement and into a storage unit. That was a, that was a gig I had one day. Um, so I was always talking about my professors with comics. That was like part of, part of my academic relationships. 
um, and just thinking about the story. So it was part of it. Also, I mean, let's, 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 we are outliers. I mean, to be fair, we didn't have any making time for comics. We still do. Well, look at what we, you know, Connor and I gave up almost every physical comfort in life to work on this for five five years. And then all the time before that we did it, like, you know, that's, there's clearly something to the medium for that. And, you know, Paul, you are sadly on the same road. And I want, I want to turn you around. We just <laughs> shut down the website so you wouldn't throw away your life like ours. <laughs> we just, we have to pull the plug, Paul. But why? You guys trust us. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, you know, remember when in college when like doing nothing, all day meant literally doing nothing, whereas like last week, last week was the weekend where I did nothing. I'm, I'm making air quotes you can't see because I like totally rearranged the apartment, vacuumed, took stuff, you know, got rid of stuff. You know, I, I was like wor- working all weekend, whereas in college, do nothing meant sitting on the couch on the terrace in Holmes Hall with a bunch of people drinking for three days. Man, I miss that. I Even if we try to sound like we're busy or we, ha- or we have obligations, we're a bunch of Judd Apatow characters. So, and we're probably driving people nuts who have actual degrees or are, you know, training to be. No, know, I'm saying that 401ks. Two of those people. <laughs> I do have a kid. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that, I'm not saying it's anybody else's problem. No. But you have no idea. No, everyone's life is different. I'm just saying uh, life is different now. And in college, seems to be a lot of time. Josh is I like the Paul Rudd Apatow character. Because he has, you know, obligations. How did he have a BMW though? It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> they just weren't allocating their money properly, I think. Part of the problem. This is forty. If you want to hear us bitch about being old more, you can send us an email at contact.fanboy.com or call our voicemail line at eight eight fanboy three two six two six nine seven. We will certainly do it. If you, as you can I, tell, it's, like, it's a dam waiting to be burst. Um, if you want, I feel. <laughs> I feel like half the audience is like, "This is totally why I listen to the show," and half the audience is like, "What? the? Shut up!" Yes, and you both will be right. Let's talk about some shows. This past week, Paul and I talked about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We did a special edition podcast. You may have heard it. You may not have heard it. It's on the, she- the feed right behind this show. Uh, we talked for about 30 minutes about the pilot episode, our thoughts on, on that. And uh, not we're not going to do that every week. No, but just pilot. If, if, there's ever, if there's a special issue, if there's like, you know, if Robert Downey Jr. shows up in an episode, maybe we'll do a podcast sure. about it. But, uh, Play by ear. But it was fun. It was interesting. It was a fun show. And it was a fun podcast with Paul and I. That was our, like, Record and turn it around and throw it out show. Yeah. So, it was fun. Um, another show that we have coming up for you probably later this week. Uh, we have a Booksplode with uh, – it's it's a Booksplode about Batman Year 100. Um, we got a special guest on there, current Batman writer Scott Snyder. And so we talk about Batman Year 100 and how it sort of influences what he's doing on Batman – and then it's a bit it's it's a bit of a talk explode too. We talk about what's going on in in zero year and and uh, we talk about all things Batman. I mean, there's a little bit of um, Batman Beyond in there and Dark Knight Returns, of course. You know that pops up. So uh, that'll be coming out later this week. Uh, and then also, I see on the script is Fuzzy Typewriter. Yes, I'm still talking about Breaking Bad. Um, there's one more episode one more left. The the podcast is just it, it's turned into an entire Breaking Bad podcast for this final season. Um, but then uh, I think we're going to be talking about Hannibal soon. So because I just got the uh, the Blu-ray of uh, the first season of Hannibal. That's another one that was like that's not going to work. Totally does. Really great show. That's the kind of show really? that makes me think that Constantine could work at NBC because it's a if it was done in that style. Yes, totally work. 
I'm watching it. And I'm right. continually shocked that it looks this good and that it is this good. Now, it's worth noting that if you get the home video release, there's producers cuts. So I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of stuff that wasn't on network TV. But uh, the, the, the network stuff was pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's also they don't have to CGI magic and demons. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, so head, head over to fanboy.com to find <laughs> those shows, comment on those shows, comment on this show. I'll find all of our podcasts there. And follow along at twitter.com slash ifanboy at facebook.com slash ifanboy for our updates. And no, those are not going away despite some comments from some people this week confused as to why we continue to update them. We still have content to put out, so we still update our, our things. Social networks. Aha! Take that, doubters! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, the ifanboy story. <laughs> right well, that correctly. You can tilt. email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at 888fanboys which is 326-2697 with your questions for the show or your comments or, uh, you know, maybe if you have something really interesting to say, we'll, well. What I'm saying is we will, we will start answering e- emails about college. I'm just saying it'll well, happen. If you start emailing them in, we'll do it. Tell us what comics you're into. If you're, if you're digging on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we can, you know, if you have any interesting things to say about that, that's another thing we can talk about. Um, instead of doing a podcast on it every week, you just bring up what yep. your thoughts are. Um, and if you dig us, write us a review over on iTunes, or better yet, you can tell your friends about us, introduce your mom to podcasts, spread the, all that iFanboy stuff. Uh, what what Apatow character do you think Connor said. is? Jason Siegel. The Jason Siegel? <laughs> I think I'm the Mindy Kaling. In, uh... No. Act up? Yeah. I'm so, I was thinking Neurotic. of Jason Siegel in um, very up. Well, not an out of town movie, but just a spin off one. Oh, the uh, the the buddies one. With, with yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love you, bro. man. Yeah, except you're not that guy anymore. A year ago, I would have said you're that guy. And now you're, I don't know. I'm being broken. Right, like I don't a know. Horse. You're, you're Seth Rogen. Being broken like a yeah. horse. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna catch hell for yeah. that one, by the way. Man, you're a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, cut that out. We can't. Cut that out, Paul. Cut it out. Okay. Cut it out. I'm not gonna. Or bleep it. I'm not gonna. All right. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Bye.